I'll do that. Go for it. Live. What is up? <laughs> we are live. Carpets and coffee at midnight. At well, night. <laughs> yeah. Carpets and cocktails, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you can drink got coffee a little. This is almost. It's a different kind of coffee. Beer coffee. <laughs> ah, that's the good kind. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, what I bet you I was gonna look real quick to see if it is well see right now in Australia it's morning, it's like 9 a.m. So hey, okay, <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. It's coffee time somewhere, and it, it's always carpet time. So we're That's still right. on brand. It's all good. It, yeah, it's uh, everything is uh it's right there. I've got some people, <laughs> carpets and cocktails. Yeah. Yes. Um yeah, I'm kind of uh ooh. It's good to be back behind the mic. Last night we did yeah. a joint. You made it back uh, to civilization. <laughs> yeah. What a trip, man. Holy crap. It was nice. Good times. Saw lots of uh, buzz tales and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is always fun. Um, yeah, I didn't realize how much I like those. So. Oh, yeah. Man, I mean, especially out where you were, there's so many different kinds. And getting the photo play-by-play over our, over our chat was, <laughs> was awesome. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, we had some crazy times. Not enough, not enough uh, sleep. Eat like shit. You do it for a week, and then you come back, and you got to go back to the normal life. And it's kind of hard to. I'm having a hard time. Justin, me and Justin were talking. It's like us really? old guys are are like having a hard time getting back into the swing of things, you know. But yeah, what's, what's overall? The, what's the tricky part? Is it sleep? Is it? Uh, I think so. Bubbles? Yeah. <laughs> You know, like between the podcast and then the, you know, the snakes and work and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, catching up, I guess, with all that stuff. Sure. But uh, yeah, yeah, overall it was, uh, it was well worth it though. Cause that's uh, awesome. Yeah, those guys were awesome. It was good to hang out with Phil and Justin. We did hang out with Justin before, um, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. Picked his brain a little bit about the new book, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the um, new carpet book, you know. Come out of it with any good little secret nuggets that you can't share yet? <laughs> yeah, he gave me a couple nuggets, but I can't share them. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome book. I can't, I can't wait. I cannot wait to dive into it. It, uh, it should be really cool. Oh, Riley quit. <laughs> hey, he's getting oh. his stuff sorted. He's got new geckos. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah but yeah what was, dark, I, okay oh, yeah I what was, was it gonna say what uh what was your favorite find can you pin that down uh probably the blacktail the blacktail rattlesnake um and what was the story of that so we were um uh we went and sort of um it was a we were we tried a bunch of different things herping this time. Um, whereas in the past we kind of like would herp together. Uh, this one we kind of split into groups, and uh, Rob and Justin um, Justin Smith went up to one cut, and we came down around this other cut, which was like one side was a wall. And the other side was um, was was some cuts. So I walked the cuts, and Justin walked the wall. And within man, like two minutes, he's just like 
rattlesnake and it almost got away and the poor guy went to dive for it and just got his arm stuck with barbed wire so oh he had to take care of that <laughs> which wasn't uh yeah which was uh exciting <laughs> yeah so uh yeah you know um but uh yeah he he was determined to uh to get that snake so so it was all good you know what, yeah. what we do to get a picture of a snake but uh yeah we got that and then within i think maybe 20 minutes that's when we found our first atrox so two rattlesnakes and one thing you know the doctor as we now call him was on fire <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah yeah we kept calling him doc so we could separate him between him and justin so uh but yeah man all good good times so that's, yeah, yeah that's great i'm jealous <laughs> yeah next time you guys gotta go you know i would have uh i i, I really suck at video man i just <laughs> i really suck at taking video right. i took I took some and then I look back at it and I'm just like, oh man, this is uh <laughs> this is shitty. Like it's all wobbly and stuff, but uh, there's there's probably some salva salvageable stuff there. But uh, right on. Yeah, we'll we'll come yeah. through it. But yeah, I mean one of these trips it'll it'll be a dedicated filming person. Make sure it's yes. all good. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Can't wait. So yeah. I don't think, you know, as far as coming back, I think uh I don't think I'm getting diamond python eggs, so that's kind of a bummer, but that is what it is. Right. Um, I wonder. I mean, because they were locking up a bit, right? And Yeah. Yeah. Just maybe reabsorbed or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was, uh, you know, when you're breeding uh, species like that for the first time, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, it can be tricky. Wow, they got a whole bunch of names for us. Yeah, they got a lot uh, of <laughs> carpets and cal calligraphy uh simple yet sophisticated uh morelia at midnight <laughs> i like that one <laughs> yeah that's good that's all good stuff serpents after sunset uh yeah but um bed black yeah man it like it's before bed <laughs> <laughs> i like it yeah um so what about you man did you get the uh did you get the let's see is riley ready let's get him in here Aha! <clears throat> there he is. Did you Did get uh, brittle eggs yet, or no? Or Not yet. Uh, yeah, the, the most pregnant of the three pregnant ones. Uh, her thirty days post pre lay shed is going to be a little less than two weeks from now. So it really could happen at any point, I guess, if she's early. And she's right. terrifyingly large. I. Like she's having a, you know, she's fasting inverted. Like she, oh, just, man. she looks uncomfortable. And when she tries to move around, it's kind of funny. It's like, just, you know, she, there's a lot going on in there. And the other two, you know, they're, they're definitely looking gravid, but not like that at all. So I'm really interested to see the difference in, in clutch size between the three, uh, you know, I, I have no reference, right? Because it's my first time doing this kind of thing. But just from right. judging from her size, I, I really wouldn't be surprised if she laid like 30 eggs. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Maybe I'll, I'll look back and be an idiot. Maybe there's like 15 really big ones, but <laughs> I don't you know. Got a McIntyre clutch. Oh, snap. <laughs> well, I think I said on one of these shows, like even when I sent Nick a picture of her ovulation, he was like, Oh damn. Like, it looks like it's going to be a big clutch too. <laughs> and it's like, if Nick's saying that, and 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, man. You're in trouble. What's up yes. there, Riley? I did. What's up? Track, though, so less trouble. Nice. Oh, no, I okay. can see that. Good. See oh, another good, one. Good, good. Oh, all right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 110 degrees here. I'm dying. Yeah. I apologize if you can hear the fan right here, but I'm not turning that off. I am also yeah. sitting next to AC. <laughs> It's not that hot here, but I feel your pain, fellas. I, yeah, I was telling you, you were out there in Arizona, probably feeling a lot hotter than we are right now. I'm sure, or Texas, excuse me. Yeah, it was 115, something like that. So, Oof. yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you were telling, telling me, what, uh, yeah, my I was in the field this morning. I got up, you know, crack of dawn to go work, and and they canceled work a few hours in because because of the conditions. It was all the fire thresholds got triggered and you can't operate that machinery anymore. <laughs> you know, one spark <laughs> would light up the entire Oakland, you know, <laughs> hills. So that's about it. No, really. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. we were, we were just at the, the Roseville show and the vendors are like, if you're leaving, go straight to your car, be really careful. Cause it's brutally hot out there. It was like 114. When I walked out, I was like, this is not wow. fun. Yeah, it's not hard <laughs> to get dehydrated and get heat illness and that kind of heat. It's very yeah. I, I brought my uh, my Camelback that I got for Australia, filled that up with water, and was chugging on that. And then I brought a couple beers and was drinking beers, walking around the show. Well, that didn't help, but okay, <laughs> <laughs> helped me. It didn't help anybody else. I don't know what they're talking about. There you go. Cool. But, uh, um, yeah. Fun. I guess uh, real quick, we'll just uh, there was a question from Ben in the chat and he just said can we hit on the topic of what temps to keep diamond jungles at and uh yeah i um so my approach with them to i think i said it was riley that said same as regular carpet temps um just yeah maybe turn pretty much heat. yeah i just kind of kept them lower um to the ground so it's just naturally cooler um yeah. but yeah that's about it um yeah I thought that would be trickier than it was, but uh, nah, not really. Um, so they're nothing like true diamonds as far as they're sensitive to heat stuff. No, I don't think yeah. so. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't see many Morelli at the show today. By the way, no, I saw one table that had two random jags that weren't even labeled. Um, <laughs> I saw a table with one baby Bradley on it. Nice. From this year or last year? This year. That's, hmm. uh, or no, it had to have been from last year. Okay. Um, I was say, how late am I? <laughs> no, it had to have been from last year. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, this show was actually heavily dominated by like obscure stuff. Really? Yeah. Yeah, like... There was a, a table where or a booth that had like tarantulas and plants and weird imports, and then they had 1.2 little baby California red sided garter snakes on it for eight hundred dollars a baby. I was like, is that legal? Whoa. If they have the paperwork. <laughs> she didn't have the paperwork. Then no. They were wild <laughs> then it's illegal. We asked her. She wanted to sell wild caught for eight hundred? Eight hundred a piece. Ooh, okay, see, yeah. I'll they're not the San Francisco's, but they're California's. Yes, still. And she's I'll, selling them in California without a captive bred wildlife permit. California yeah. biology. <laughs> well, I encourage my friend. I was like, you should just go over there and strong armor and buy them for 50 bucks a piece and tell her you won't tell fish and wildlife. I mean, 
I get I get twenty four hundred dollars in snakes for next to nothing because you won't rat her out. I mean, rock right. solid strategy. Yeah, I, that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, yeah, like big problem, big problem. Yeah, but there was a there was a surprising amount of um, African imports. <laughs> um, a lot of plated lizards. Oh, those. A lot are- of. Uh, Actually, quite a fair amount of Madagascan species of lizards. A lot of North African stuff. Um, I may or may not have come home with 1.3 crocodile geckos from Egypt. Very cool. <laughs> One of which is gravid. Oh, now is that personal collection or? Yeah, that's for me. Okay. Okay. So you know how I was getting all curious about the Pictus geckos, like, oh, they stay under five inches and they're prolific and this and that. Uh-huh. Well, here's a gecko that stays under five inches but has spikes all over it, lives in the deserts of Egypt, likes, you know, warm, dry temperatures, rock crevices, crickets, you know, the whole nine. Basically just like uh just like the Pictus geckos, but from Egypt, just drier and hotter and spikier and they reminded me of the eurarachnoides the uh the uh spider-tailed horn viper from iran in color and shape and and i'm like "Mm, there's something to that region up there and uh justin's in the justin's in the in the chat right now at uh, point bucks or that's justin um we just went there and there were some scrubs there here let's see i i took some photos there were a lot of um, like one-off little patternless uh, Meraki's on a few okay. tables here and there. They like some fresh imports. Some of them look real fresh. Uh, there was a huge Australian Fuscus there um, that was 800 bucks. Some Paradise Flying Snakes, some Dacia Peltis. Um, there were some Northern Whitelet Babies that didn't have a price on them. Um, yeah, some some... Oh, Eric, there was an Australian tree skink that Justin found that Justin's like, Riley, we got to go look at this tree skink. This totally reminds me of Eric. And it was gray, a little lined. It has lines on it. It's probably, I don't know, tip to tail, six, seven inches long. Kind of looked like a lot of the North American, like five line skinks, but a little okay. bit chubbier, a little chunkier and like oh, kind wow. of a silvery gray, <clears throat> charcoaly black and blue striped. And I was like, hmm, do I Is that the one you posted here? in our chat? Yeah, I sent that in there. I was like, okay, because Justin was like, you got to send a photo of this, to Eric. So yeah, man, <laughs> um, heck yeah. But there, saw, yeah, dude, it was interesting. It was cool. I to saw see that, that and I was like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, okay. like that would be that would be a lizard you would set up in like a nice forty gallon or something with some vertical tree branches, give it like bark sleeves to hide in and out of, and just loose bugs in there periodically and watch it hunt. That'd be fun. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, sweet. I don't know if I really told you guys this, uh, but I was talking about this last night on the on the live stream was um, my my plan for my wife to uh, fall in love with the um, uh, blue tongue skink worked. Nice. <laughs> she took care of it when I was gone, yeah. and I come back and she's she's like, "Oh, this this thing is so cool," and I'm like, "Well, it is kind of a a mini dash out with with scales, so <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it kind of fits the mold." Um, yeah, and she's like, Can I name it? I said, You can name it, but I am not going to say its name. I mean, like, you can call it whatever you want. 
Well, that's oh, you, no. got the, you got the hooks in. Yeah, so she's in, and she likes the Ackies too. Surprisingly, I was uh, nice. she enjoys like the uh, I guess the right. interaction that they have as opposed to uh, to snakes and stuff. So, so got to get stuff. her a frilly next. <sighs> yeah, you know <laughs> how Some cool would that be? Forest dragons or something. I like those Australian water dragons, man. Especially those males that look all like you know, big they're... orange and the flex <laughs> stand there. Yeah, yeah. Riley knows. I fell in love with the little quince monitor at the shop the last couple weeks. I've been. Oh yeah, in... yeah. It sleeps in my pocket while I'm at the register. <laughs> yeah, he's the coolest lizard. He'll dive right into your breast pocket and just like whoop, take a nap. Yeah, eyes oh, closed. Oh wow, that's it's pretty so awesome. Cute. Doesn't whereas, bite, but it whereas I go to grab the uh the male black throat and the thing bites me right on the middle finger. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> that's <laughs> not fun. No, it's not what you um, want. No, I mean, as soon as as it, it makes sense, I want things with legs. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's it's, it's definitely different. different. Um. Would I would kill for a boy? Yeah, I I I, uh, I saw them in the wild. It was pretty cool, you know, seeing one of them. Um, Boyd's forest dragon. Yeah, hips hipsilurus <laughs> boydii or something like that. Yeah. So we got a, another question here. We'll start diving into some carpet yeah, talk. Let's do right? it. I haven't talked carpets in 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 yeah, weeks. Been been busy about rattlesnakes. Yeah. And, you know, uh, all this colubrids and yeah, not my lane, man, but very cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are, wait, hold on. Sorry. What are some jungle bloodlines each of you don't have, but would try to work with and what would the project be? I'll go and first. Don't have. <laughs> go ahead. Lucas, you can answer that. I don't have any of them. But <laughs> what I would love to work with are Tully's or gelatins. Mm. I don't. Yeah. yeah, I would just want to do locale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to do morphs with jungles. Do you have to? I mean, you really don't have to, right? No, you <laughs> um, don't have to. I think for me, I would. I, you know, I would kill for like some real old school Larry Black, mm. uh, or like uh, some LASIK uh, line stuff. Um, yeah, that would be, and of course the MIAs, I would like to, uh, probably add them into the, uh, into the group, but, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, that would be it for me. I, um, I, I've had Palmerston's in the past. I moved them out. Um, not really sure why. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're like striped, man. Yeah, I know. I had a nicely banded one and a nicely striped one, and uh, I don't remember why I got rid of them. Um, there's a lot of lines I don't have. There's a lot of lines out there. I have MIA stuff. I have, um, I have AR line stuff. I have stuff from uh, shoot. There's uh, Cover Girl. Uh, was it Poster Child? No, it's Cover Girl. That's what I'm thinking of. But there's yeah, there's Cover a lot Girl. of lines. I don't have anything from uh, like David Hastings stuff, or uh, 
I have some stuff that's got like Chouette and Larry Black in there, but yeah, like like high percentage Larry Black, or you know, it would be really cool with some be some Doug Price jungles. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I always think about how I can't settle on just one thing and how I need variety, but then I look at folks like Andrew Paris, and he's not to say he's settled on one thing, but he's found one thing and then is splitting it into all the variety within it. And so he's able to really enjoy jungles and all those lines and just have yeah. a ton of stuff. And when you look at just one little lane of it, you realize there's so much in there and I just, I need all of it. So I just can't focus. <laughs> That's yeah, why the, I got uh... Egyptian geckos today. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me. Stay the course. No. <laughs> Geckos are okay, right? Yeah, man. Whatever, man. Whatever you want is okay. <laughs> as long as you can justify it. Like when I have a Pictus gecko colony, it's justifiable because it's tricky blackhead food for the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. When I have Woma pythons that follow me home, it's justifiable. Yeah, there you go. I said so. Because you're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't shut up about them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think like Andrew's new approach to uh, the last time I spoke to him, which actually texted me tonight that it's not the same out there. I guess like the NARBC out in Chicago, it's in a different yeah, it's in a different spot. Um, the, none of the Morelia guys are there, so it's like not the same for for them, you know. Um, hmm. So he was texting me saying uh, it's kind of not the same without all the Morelia Morelia heads. So I guess they didn't go. Um, wow, you know, which is kind of strange. I don't know Carver if Rose uh, kind of died, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of. I don't know. A lot of us stopped really doing shows, you know. I mean, and then you know, last year was kind of like that. Just put the nail in the coffin for people, I guess. You know. So, yeah, it was a bus. Yeah, but. Um, this didn't go on it today. Um, yeah, so uh cool stuff as far as uh as jungles go. There's so much so much stuff, but I think Andrew's trying to work with animals that have um that you know that evil word pure, um, but like it's not it doesn't have any undocumented animals, let's say. I think that's probably better to say it that way, you know. So yeah, there's um, no question marks in what he works with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Even though lineage is important for carpets, do you feel that it's more important for subspecies like jungles and IJs where lineage brings value? Um, hmm. I don't know if I'd say more important. It depends who you ask because what's important to one person is different to another person. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But that being said, what tends to be favored or valued more for its overall contribution to the gene pool stuff with lineage um especially you know what's crazy i was listening to some 2018 episodes and i was listening to that 2018 episode when casper was on with you and owen and uh he was talking about it then pop and stuff (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I can see where I was yeah. going. Yeah. Um, uh, he was he was talking about how at that time Indonesian imports were already 
kind of being constricted as far as what was allowed to come in. And he was saying, you know, you can get a little bit now, but it's getting less and less each year. And each year it's going to get harder and harder till five years from now or so it won't be around. And at that time, he's talking about 2023, five years. And here we are in 2021 looking at very little Papuan importation. There's honestly more Africa and, and Madagascar coming in than, than Papua now that, that Dan's moved overseas. And maybe that's just what I'm seeing. But um, mm -hmm. I think I think because we still have the opportunity to get pure imported stuff, keep it pure, the, the lineage is absolutely crucial for something like Papuans, jungles and everything else. It's, it's important in a different way. Um, well, the ship already sailed on those sort of thing. My counter question for this would be, are there any cases where lineage doesn't add value? Like it, isn't it yeah. kind of valuable Morphs. across the board? Morphs, there's no value to lineage. As long as it is what it is, genetically speaking, lineage doesn't mean anything. Um, for the most part, I would think. No, I, I, I mean, in cases where it is a, hmm. Okay. Wait, S never mind. Sorry. I had lineage is never a hindrance. I, no, I, I was thinking of locality. That was my bad oh, brain gotcha. fart. <laughs> I think, I think, I think that's where a lot of times morph breeders sort of miss the mark. And as far as that, they don't pay attention to. Animal. So <clears throat> let's say that even if you're doing morphs and you're not doing crosses, um, you should try to still keep the lineage, I think, would would definitely be a 100 percent. Right? Like if you're because just crossing you... snow, granite, zebra, albino, jag, whatever, knock yourself out. No one's asking. But yeah. yeah, I think it always mattered to me, but I, I don't think it mattered to the customer. Right. I don't think that they really cared about um you know oh i used an m pen coastal with this isn't that cool <laughs> they're like no <laughs> i mean maybe it just says something more about me being a nerd than anything else but i loved having the lineage chart for my stone so did I. uh yeah. even though it's a morph like it was cool to me to know that my snake was the granddaughter of the original hets like that's just cool to I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just a dork, but no, I, 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 agree. <laughs> I think with it's you, important man. when it's pure like that, yeah. when you're talking within one species or subspecies, it still has relevance. Mm -hmm. for sure. Well, I think, I think too, even with the crosses, like I would look for specific traits like color, you know, I mean, if you're going to try to make your morph more colorful, you know, that's like true. More yellow or, you yeah. know, um, improve on whatever, an albino you know? citrus tiger. Yeah. Yeah. Something Absolutely. like that. Yeah. No, there's, yeah. there's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think, you know, it was interesting. I was listening to Justin and Chuck talk about, um, the whole, uh, I forget what the name of the show was exactly, but basically they were talking about the value of, you know, a pure versus a cross type of thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, Hybrids. Chuck brought up a good point. Uh, yeah. A good point that I never thought of in as far as we sort of give a bad name to, the hybrid part of it. And I guess if you don't really necessarily uh, need, if you're just looking for a pet, does it matter? You know, and, and then that person, it was sort of like, I don't know, his point was it's sort of like you have someone, somebody new that's coming into the hobby and they get a pet carpet and 
they sort of get, uh, you know, across or whatever it would be. And, you know, the, that question comes, what is my carbon Python and all that kind of stuff that comes along with it. However, like we kind of like immediately go on the defense because we're tired of answering that same question over and over and over again. But I think his point was, it's like, we sort of have made that a bad word, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, that whole, um, whether it's SIB or whether it's, uh, you know, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, uh, I don't Morph know. Morph byproducts. Yeah, yeah, kind of thing. And it was like, well, they can be beautiful too. So Absolutely. If, they, if you just I don't want think, a pet, you know. Yeah, I think, I think the biggest problem that we as folks within the community have is that we see the negative potential in something like that and see how – if somebody acquires that animal and doesn't maintain the information accurately that it could cause misrepresentation and dilution and impurity problems down the line and this and that. However, you know, after listening to that episode of, uh, of reptile fight club with, with Chuck and Justin talking about the, the hybrids and things like that and kind of getting into that, that nitty gritty of those byproducts and the sibs and stuff, I don't think anybody would disagree that some of those animals are the exact first experience for people yeah. getting into Morelia because they're the hundred dollar affordable yeah. pet generic carpet, whether it be at a shop or show or whatever, that somebody finally takes the plunge on and then it opens up their world and then they decide whether to go deeper down the rabbit hole or not. But it's still, it still gets somebody in and gets the conversation started and thinking and then, you know, at that point, you hope that they learn what purity and impurity is and the value of breeding and this and that, and they make some informed decisions along the line. And I think now, there's still value in that for sure. Do you guys think, and I'm not necessarily saying that I think this, but do you think that the mutt carpets are fine for pets argument doesn't tend to grab a lot of traction perhaps because a lot of people... Like how many people actually get a pet, don't care what it is, and keep it for 25 to 30 years? That's a good question. Without either Uh, A, deciding to sell it, maybe mm -hmm. a decade in, or B, they love it so much that they decide to care. And then once they learn more, they discard it because it can't fit into their breeding plans once they move on to that phase. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> that's a very that's a very good question because I think we would be silly to sit here and say that doesn't happen. Okay. So we know that does happen. And and both of those outcomes sort of end up leaving the animal with the short end of the stick. So there is something to be said for that. I guess my thought, and I hope that I'm wrong, but my instinctual thought is that I think that it's never a good idea to make those sorts of animals where your intention is, ah, they'll just be a pet because I don't know that there's actually that many people out there that are going to have that as a pet and love it for its entire life without, you know, aren't we Hmm. all sort of driven to know what we have, like if, if we nerd out about snakes, isn't it kind of always that logical next step to like 
want <clears throat> to know what it like. I don't know. You, you know what I'm saying? I, I follow what you're saying. If you see, and I think this is the perspective that we come from, right? Because we're super nerdy about this stuff, right? We're we're super intense about you know lineage and 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 where who produced it and when they produced it and where did it come from and the history and all this different stuff and mm-hmm. um you know which <clears throat> which is which is cool for like somebody that's nerdy i think that i think in today's reptile hobby market it seems that there's not as much focus on breeding and I think, <clears throat> I think that, I think it's just my thought that maybe the amount of reptile podcasts that are coming out that have sort of moved away from the, uh, the NPR, you know, uh, style of interview and type of person that you're talking to, to where, you know, you're talking to somebody about breeding and keeping and, you know, taking care of the eggs and raising up the babies and all this kind of stuff. Um, where it seems like you have more of a uh, uh, a lot of, of podcasts that kind of focus on, you know, keeping them and, 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 you know, the equipment that you need to keep them and ways that you can keep them better. And, and even, even to a certain extent, NPRs kind of like moved with not focused, like, I, I don't know, in the early days, we were just focused on learning how to breed and probably selfishly for myself, just because I wanted to talk to everybody <laughs> and try to pick their brain. Totally. And, you know, everybody just got to listen in on those conversations. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I think in, in the, in the earlier days. Yeah. And I, you know, I think of myself, right. I started with a cross. I bought a carpet Python at a, at a pet shop and I had no idea about, anything about the subspecies or anything about the morphs or anything about localities or any of that stuff. And I just thought it looked cool, you know? So I bought it Mm -hmm. and then you start to dive a little bit in and, you know, um, uh, you know, what is this? I guess diamond jungles were more accepted back then, right? Because there really wasn't a lot of the morphs. So really if you wanted some designer type of carpet Python, that's sort of, the route you went. And then when you bred that to a Jag, all of a sudden you like intensified it. It was like, Holy shit. You know, just to, uh, to the, I was thinking there was a question earlier about what scattershot is and scattershot is, is a lineage, not a morph. Um, <clears throat> that's uh Mike Curtin scattershot exotics, but, uh, I don't know. And then, you know, the more you get into it, the more you start to read about it and you research it and, you know, you start to learn that there's the subspecies come along with it. And, you know, I, I don't know, it's carpet pythons as a complex to me was kind of the most confusing pythons that there was. Right. Because ball pythons were just all ball pythons, you know, and golden pythons are just in golden pythons. You don't, you know, maybe retics are probably one of the closest to carpets with localities and morphs yeah. and all these different things and subspecies. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, it just led me to go down that road to where I became more of a geek about it. And ultimately, I would find myself nowadays more on the away from the morph stuff and more on just the, you know, natural variations of 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 them. So it's like you come full circle, you know, it's I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's just yeah. my experience. So absolutely. Yeah. I would just hope that that people would wouldn't breed anything that they wouldn't want to hang on to themselves. 
you know, that whole like, yeah, eh, I guess I'll just do it because I can flip them for 50 bucks to someone that just wants a pet, you know, like if, if I think I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because eventually, so, I think a lot of them are going to re-enter the stream, if you will. <laughs> yes. So Unfortunately. What would, what would be the way to... So if you're going to breed morphs and you're going to do designer stuff, you're going to have to deal with that question. You know, I remember in the early days, uh, you know, talking with like Sean Christian, his thing was, well, I'm going to call it. Everybody lost their shit. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you call it? Do you keep it? Do you give it away as a pet? Do you, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Until anybody's tried to sell a half a clutch of Jag siblings or whatever, jungle jab <laughs> siblings, like until you try and do that, you don't know. You just don't know yeah. the type of nonsense and questions you get. So when somebody's like, I'm just going to oh. call it, I'm like, huh, yeah, I don't blame I, you. That's not even so much what I'm talking about because you know what that is. It's yeah. a jungle jag sib. I'm talking right. about the things where we have no clue what they are. You know, like what's my carpet python? I found it at a pet shop. Like that kind of thing oh, okay. is what I'm talking I about. I got you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It came mm. from BHB, so it's probably <laughs> nothing. I mean, it's all a hypothetical <laughs> like thought exercise, but I don't know. At least that's kind of what I want to make my own little personal rule be is that I wouldn't produce anything that I wouldn't want to have myself with the thought that yeah. somebody else would, you know, just man pet, you know? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think that's why a lot well, of people think... don't get into Jag projects or any of the crossing stuff. I think that's why you still have a lot of folks that very vehemently argue for the pure side of things because everything's pure, no matter what you make. So, yeah, it's much easier to sell that than yeah. it is to, to not, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, yeah, it, it can be tough, man. It can be tough trying to sell animals like that to, to, to somebody. And like most of the time I would look at animals like that, that, you know, if you're going to do this as a business, like, uh, I think I watched, I think it was, uh, Ozzy Boyd's maybe a couple weeks ago. And he was talking about how he, he's, you know, as a breeder, he's constantly upgrading his stock, right? So if he has an animal that he makes hets with, right, then he has that het female and he upgrades that, uh, animal that's now a het female, right? You know, let's say it's, I don't know, het exanic or something, right? So you upgrade that animal that was the normal that you read the exanic male to, and then you upgrade that female to a het exanic and you sell the female, right? Mm -hmm. Then when you produce the visual, now you upgrade that het to a visual. And then when you add a caramel in there, you upgrade it to the caramel and then, you know, maybe it makes super caramel. So now at least you're getting all caramel exanics as opposed to some of these you know normal ones that maybe won't sell like i think if you're going to be a breeder you have to sort of have that mentality right mm -hmm. and i think that's the struggle right because a lot of us are sort of like somewhere in the middle of that you know we don't want to necessarily do it like a farmer because you know i don't know i get kind of attached to certain animals and it's like well i don't want to get rid of this well, well clearly i have a problem with that it's the, <laughs> no, old, I don't it's the old unproductive <laughs> yeah cow you know? take her yeah, out back so yeah. <laughs> but if you want to really do it as a business i think that's kind of the mindset you kind of yeah. have to have because yeah. you're going to keep your stock low but you're going to keep the quality high so like exactly. the more and more you have that 
um, you know, real, uh, you know, intense, uh, you know, genes get play, you're going to get less and less of, you know, those harder to sell snakes, I think. So yeah, that would I be mean, my advice. hundred percent. It, it kind of is like a treadmill once you get on it. Yeah. That's why I have yeah. hypo head stripes. Cause Nick didn't need them anymore. Cause he, what was the word? Exactly. He, he yes. upgraded or yeah. 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 You know, I mean, and I guess there, some people would have a problem with that because they're, they look at it as, you know, that animal's getting tossed around from, you know, place to place, to place, to place, and, you know, people it's a are good constant. place. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No doubt. But it's kind of like, uh, you know, if, if you're it, and I'm not saying you're going to do this or not, or if it's good or bad, but let's say that you now are in that thing and you use that animal, you, you produce visuals and then you move that animal on. So that animal is constantly going to be moved from, you know, mm -hmm. every six that, years it's going to a new home, so to speak. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not something that I plan on doing, but I, I don't want to set myself up to sound like a hypocrite down the line. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Depending on what the hypo stripe thing, how, yeah, I, you're right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's really just, you know, your personal, you know, views on that kind of thing. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, um, mm -hmm. it's just not where I'm personally at at the moment. So yeah, I, I, I don't want to, do that but you know for sure so you're all right there riley just <laughs> watching my womas sorry oh how they riley should we talk about the demand for womas like <laughs> let the people know Dude, what happened there <laughs> that was crazy um yeah so we hatched two clutches of womas and between the two clutches it was 15 babies um no 14 babies i grabbed my pair lucas reserved a pair and then <laughs> casey uh purchased one so that left us with 3.6 so 3.6 wilma's starting to eat doing really well i photograph and post them on morph market like the evening before the next day sold all of them just gone <laughs> instantly like gone every single one wow and at least That's when not... i was looking on morph mark market like three or four of them didn't have an image yet and they still were sold <laughs> yeah yeah the there was a weird thing with the uploading so i like had to go back and fix it and then as soon as i fix it like trio gone pair gone female gone like god 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 i'm like holy crap i mean people are you know, hungry for womas Let's be honest, they were really nice Womas, but still, it's like, it's pretty impressive the way they flew off the shelves. And it's not like he was bargain bin pricing them either, you know, it was a fair price. So 500 bucks, 450 bucks, like, yeah. dude, they weren't, they weren't bottom of the barrel prices. They were nope. average, if not a little bit higher. And no, literally in 24 hours, they're all sold. And I guarantee you that everybody that was watching that that has Womas that they're getting ready to sell now they're going to base their price off of that. That's good. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. No, hundred percent. They should do. That. What do you they think should... that? What do you? What do you think it's from? Like what? What do you think caused I the think... spike in Woma love? Us talking about Th no this guy. I, no, no. I, I, that's absolutely part of it. Absolutely, one hundred percent is that a significant contributing factor in my opinion? Um, yeah. 
people are paying attention to the airwave. People are paying attention to what's on YouTube. People have a lot more free time. People are a lot more curious. They're kind of getting tired with yeah. the same mundane, you know, handful of, of very common species. And I think there's just a lot more love for everything else that's out there nowadays. I think Wilma's are a really cool drag and drop for folks too, that are kind of like trying to do something a little more zesty than a ball Python. But it fits with yeah. your style of keeping. Yeah, exactly. You don't really tanks. have to change much. Yeah. You don't have to change anything. Hell keep yeah. the damn thing on sand, give it a freaking hot rock and it'll survive. <laughs> like, trust me, it will do really well. I agree with yeah. what you're saying, but don't do that. People. <laughs> like, no. Does anybody even still make hot rocks? Probably. I think Zimet they do, does. which I don't understand. <laughs> I don't. I, I, uh, who uh, is you know buying these? You know what they've done <laughs> yeah. is they've taken the heat cable that they use for <clears throat> the vision racks. Cause that's a Zoomed product, that heat cable. And they, they weave it into a, a mold for the hot rocks hmm. and hmm. they've like redone them. And, and now they're like, Oh, when they fail, they shut off instead of shutting on. It's like when they fail. <laughs> right. <laughs> it shouldn't fail no right. that that shouldn't happen yeah it's still in the catalog but it's not this i don't think it's a very big seller right wow <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I it's crazy how you know you know all species seem to be cyclical right but it's amazing to me how much of an effect you know podcast and youtube and all that stuff can have on the market yeah you know and yeah. how people sort of you know get excited about things that we get excited about you know so yeah. your passion is yeah. contagious it is it's very <laughs> your much Aspidites so passion is <laughs> contagious yeah. and everybody everybody who's sitting here that's got babies that they're just waiting to post up for sale online yeah. don't you worry my youtube video tomorrow dropping will have woma's galore so you better share it Oh nice. man! And tomorrow I'm plug. gonna bring my two. <laughs> Nobody feed those. <laughs> oh, you're taking those home? Yeah, I'll grab them, them home. Tomorrow. Nice, cool, cool. I'm so excited. <sighs> yeah, man. That's this is this is from that crazy Woma that you have over there at the shop. That crazy yeah. looking. What's what's wild is the reduced pattern females uh, phenotype translated very little to babies, mm -hmm. but. The color is most certainly there. Mm -hmm. So yeah. this is from that reduced pattern female. I actually grabbed the busiest male from this clutch because he's like just insane. Yeah. He's only had one shed and he's just nutty. I think, yeah. They, wow, look at that belly, man. That's wild. They, it, it's very interesting. The babies, like you said, none of them looked like mom and mom is an extreme reduced pattern. Like she doesn't look normal. Uh -uh. Um, and what, I mean, and the dad is the one that throws black backs, which yeah. one of the ones I picked has a really extreme black back. Um, so I'm just, I'm super curious what is going on with yeah. that and, and whether you kind of maybe need two of those reduced pattern animals to consistently throw yeah. them, you know, because well, what's interesting is um, as far as the black back from that male goes, this is the, this is a, a baby from the sort of traditional female to the tr traditional male, um, uh -huh. a little bit different, but 
what's crazy is the male and that other female throw not only genetic blackbacks, but a lot of black in the belly. And there's yeah, a customer of yeah, there's a customer of Grant's yeah. that bought one from this pair that created this little little uh female right here. And he bought that animal three years ago and its whole belly stripe is jet black. It's super weird. Almost all of the babies from that clutch had black bellies. Yeah. And the reduced pattern clutch had really mm. nice orange bellies. Um, yeah. And so Scott was like, oh, those look like they have some influence based on this head color and this from this locality and this locality and this and this. So my thoughts are, and this is just, you know, obviously speculative hypothesis is that the population of Womas from, uh, within the United States stems from some of the intergrade zones as well as some of the, the normal areas uh, in Southwest and uh, the Northeast and a little bit from Central. And it's just a huge muddying of all these bloodlines and localities and things. Um, you know, if you go look up okay. Womas, they used to be much more uh extensive in the range throughout australia and it's become very very fragmented over time which has isolated some of these populations so that's why you get some very strong phenotypic looks to certain areas but just across the species a lot of phenotypic plasticity and so because we have such a diverse array of looks in the u.s populations i think there's a lot of blood from all of these areas that have kind of been mixed into the United States herpicultural boiling pot of Wilma's. But over in Oz, you get isolation of some of that. And you see folks working with specific populations, specific ranges, specific bloodlines. And that's when you see those like crazy melanistic animals or weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, I, uh, do you, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Luke. Oh, I was just going to say, I agree, Riley, that, that what we're dealing with here is a melting pot of yeah. Wilma soup. Um, what I was going to say though, is in Australia, as far as my research goes, what I have found is that it's very much still up for debate, whether these different population centers have continuous gene flow or are distinct. I mean, at at the end of the day, for the most part, nobody freaking knows. Um, and the Southwestern populations, you haven't really even had confirmed sightings since the eighties in some cases in, in like more study needed. Absolutely. And even in the in the 80s, people were saying more study needed. Yeah. Go. Well, I'm trying to convince Zach Loafman to take me to Australia for my thesis. You know? So go to Australia with him and there then you go. we can yeah. all go. <laughs> but that's uh, awesome. Yeah. I mean, more research needed is almost always the end result of any Woma question, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and, and when we sort of uh, did that Woma episode, um, the one thing that uh, that I learned was that Womas, unlike carpets, don't do well with human encroachment into their habitat. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they seem to uh, not be able to uh, handle that as well. Especially if you knock out their freaking burrows. I think a few weeks yeah. ago I, I read that statistic that even in cleared agriculture messed up human areas Wilma's will do just fine if you leave the burrows um so eh. yeah number one 100%. determinant of habitat suitability yeah and i i would imagine that part of that 
uh, is to get away from that heat, man. <laughs> I yeah. can't, uh, you know, it I is, would imagine that that's the, exactly what that's for, you know? You're, that's, you're dead on. Yeah. Why would they have compares. that little scale right here? Yeah, the, the paper compares all the potential shelter, you know, under a log, you know, all these things. And underground is the only option that would insulate from the arid temperatures to a survivable yeah. degree. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I think I've said this before, but like just just going into those caves over there, you're, you have a, you know, you're looking at a 10 to 15 degree difference. And that can make a huge difference, <laughs> you know. I mean, I would imagine the deeper you get into those caves, the cooler it will get. I think the Owen Pelly python is the opposite of the Bolans python, whereas the Bolans is coming out to sort of bask and get the heat, whereas the, you know, uh, the Owen Pelly python is trying is 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 hiding away in in the escarpment so that they can escape the heat because it's just too hot, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. you know, you know, an interesting thing too, um, just on a side note, and I've said, I think I said this last night, we kind of talked about it, um, on the, on the stream, but, um, it's so different herping Australia and America, right? Because when you're herping in America, the sun's going down at like nine o'clock, you know, you're, especially we're talking summertime, right? Mm -hmm. The sun's going down, it's nine o'clock, you, you know, you're getting in that dusk to 10 and like, you're going from like 10 o'clock to say, I would say we, we stop seeing activity around two o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, oddly enough, we found a garter snake. Well, we didn't find, I shouldn't say we Rob found Rob and Phil found a garter snake outside the house at like four o'clock in the morning, which I guess the temperature was so hot during the day that an animal like that isn't coming out. So I guess they're taking advantage of those warmer temperatures that are at night because you're still talking like in the 90s at that time. So <laughs> whereas opposed to Australia, the sun goes down at six o'clock and it's like from six o'clock to 11 o'clock is kind of that witching hour. It's just mm. very different, you know, but that's nice. Um, and then you can get a decent night's sleep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe that's why I love Australia so much. <laughs> Eleven I time to go. Sleep, you know. Uh, so oh, yeah. Um, also, Eric, I shot you pictures of the two that I picked out from Night Clutch too. If you want to flash those. Oh yeah. Talking about the Womas, but the the reason too, Riley, that I'm extra curious about motive inheritance on that reduced pattern look is because the one, the only other one that I've seen that looks close to the one at gx3 is the sire to my male from dan mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they look very alike and the one that i got from him is perfectly banded you know so it's like what's going on you know Interesting. i mm. i don't know <laughs> yeah it would be nice to play with like a few babies from each of those clutches for a few years and see what happens absolutely yeah yeah, so that's the girl from the reduced pattern clutch. Um, and then the nice black back boy wow. from the other clutch. And and I, I didn't flip him in the picture, but he also has that black belly that Riley and I were talking about, which is odd. Yeah, wow. wild. <laughs> yeah. Huh. That's a crazy like, an animal. So do you think that that black back, does it, does it, 
um, does it spread out over time or does it, does it become more defined over time? Riley, what, I mean, in terms of dad, it's not nearly that pronounced. What, what do you know about the generations that have come before? Uh, the, the blackback stays hmm. on the babies. Okay. It stays. Yeah. Um, huh. I think maybe it, it loses its darkness a little bit compared to that photo right there and still ends up a little bit lighter in the traditional Wilma coloration, but it is very much still a dark dorsal stripe. Then there's a couple babies in there that, um, had just as much of a dorsal striping, if not more. What that animal really has going for it that I think is going to show up more over time is it's got a dorsal stripe and alongside the dorsal stripe are these little tan spots all the way down. Um, like these here? Yeah. 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 So huh. I think what that'll <laughs> do is that'll highlight that black back a little bit more. Make yeah. it stand out more, and it will—it'll probably lose its a uh, little bit of the contrast with age, but it'll stay there. So, well, I'll certainly let you guys know. I'm excited that that one's yeah. coming here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Very cool. This is not the yeah. first not the first clutch from that male, and every time we get yeah a couple of those that do that pretty heavily. Yeah. So, and then, it's a really cool look. It's a really cool look in person. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if it. It reminds it, me of a blackhead. That's what I was just going to say. If it keeps even like half of that contrast, it looks like some of those tiger blackheads, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think that's what really drew me to the, uh, the male that I grabbed, even though it's from the reduced female, the thing looks like a freaking orange, busy pinstripe tiger, mm -hmm. but a blackhead. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. This thing's it crazy. was a really cool experience, Riley, like for me to watch how you picked yours and yeah. then to get to pick mine. Like I've never had that experience before where it's just like, here's a whole clutch. What do you want? And the thought <laughs> well, process, yeah. like, yeah, that and was then, so fun. <laughs> and then there's like a specific look in one of the clutches that yep. is important. And then there's just the traditional look in the other clutch. But then between the two clutches, the, the phenotype variation was just, like you could see the related clutch and you could see, okay, that's from that clutch. That's from that clutch. But then yeah. across the board, it's like, but these look similar and these look similar, but the color palette's different, but the orange on the head and the black on the belly. And yeah. yeah. It, it's and pretty... I mean, by the end of it, I was like, I was asking Riley for help for which girl I should go with. And he was like, well, you've been staring at the one on the left for like, you know, 10 times as long. Get that one. I was like, okay, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I'll get this one. And I was like, just get both. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Fun so stuff. there was a, there was a question from Johnny here or a comment. Like, hmm. I don't remember what did I oh, miss? I, I know which one he's talking about. It's the one that Nick, uh, he's expecting to get the, his first uh, super hypo tigers potentially hmm. from. It's a, a hypo oh. male to a hypo tiger, and he was posting about that. Uh, was that the one with Paul said I produced that in twenty twenty? <laughs> Nick's like, I might be the first to make super hypo tiger tigers, and Paul's like, Yeah, I made one last year. <laughs> <laughs> of <Yeah>. course, <laughs> he, is, he is the uh, the it's master Paul. of the carpets. You know, I mean, he got it first. Of course, he's gonna do it first. Nick did say, unless my friend Paul got it first. Well, <laughs> <laughs> <So. laughs> asterisk. Yeah. It was it, what I took uh, away from that was the fact that um, Nick has been sitting on hypocoastals for ten years. 
Did you go look back at the dates of that pairing that the first pairing in his chart? He's had hypocosis. That wasn't from him though, right? That was from no, Paul. Was, right? But the the animals that he got and then paired were like I want to say almost ten years ago. So usually what happens is Nick gets adults when well again right to the to the point we were talking about earlier right those animals that are sort of you know starting the base then Paul sort of moves it to mm-hmm. either somebody like Nick or myself to where you're getting those animals that are sort of jump started yep. <laughs> you know yep. Paul's the top of the pyramid Nick's the next run down and then it starts yeah. spreading out to everyone else yeah yeah hundred percent. Yeah, so while he's making hypo tigers and not telling anybody, we're still just hearing about the whispers of hypo entering the states. Yes, and then by the yeah. time we're like, oh, people are buying hypos for four thousand dollars, the first super hypo tigers are being made over in the UK, and we're like, oh my gosh, hypo tigers! Imagine that! And then there's like six years of advancement across the pond, and we don't even know about it. Yeah, that's a good point. For as much as Nick talks, he does keep some secrets. Oh, he <laughs> keeps a lot of secrets. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's a funny sentence. I hope Nick hears that sentence right I, now. I, I, he he knows, never listens to a show. He knows I love him. It's all good. Oh, I know. I, I don't yeah. think he could even deny that claim whatsoever. I think he would have <laughs> no, to no, own no. it in, in jest for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, Paul, though, is like, I, I swear, I. I used to have this theory, right, that Paul and Nick were really the same person, <laughs> but like Paul was like Nick was like Paul, but he was like it was like the, I almost thought of it like the Wizard of Oz, right? He was the man. He was the, like Paul was Oz, and Nick was like the guy behind the curtain controlling all the things. So it's like yep. uh, I'm like, how come I never get to talk to Paul directly? How come? I mean, I'm spending thousands. With uh, you know, uh, tens in front of it, and um, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> and, uh, <you> know. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Used to, I wouldn't use to bust my stones and say I added a wing onto Paul's house multiple times. <laughs> 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 new bedroom, new bathroom, redone, all this stuff. <laughs> But uh, oh, good stuff. Funny. Oh, I I have an update re- related to wings of houses. Oh, okay. Oh. Kind of. Well, I mean, I'm not getting a house nor a new wing, but my roommate's (laughs) going to move to Scotland. And I have decided that I'm just going to work my butt off and rent both rooms and put all the snakes in there. So I'll actually have a snake room. (laughs) Oh, okay. Nice. You're going to be balling. That'll be nice. (laughs) Yeah, man. When you uh, and then, you know, you graduate to that. I went I went from that like they were in my living room and then graduate to a two bedroom apartment to your own snake room. And then when you get a house and you're like, Oh, there's so much room for activities. Activities. Just for all you got, like my bed's right here. Like I am in my room. Like, right. <laughs> this is nothing fancy. So that'll be really nice to get all this crap out of here. <laughs> I remember doing that living, uh, surrounded by enclosures at the foot of the bed and all walls, floor to ceiling everywhere. I mean, I don't mind it, right? Like it's it's fun, but yeah. Wait, be... wait until you have a rack next to your bed and a 
big python takes a dump in the middle of the night right next to your head and it wakes you up i'm more concerned about the dumps from the fall season in terms of smell <laughs> wait wait for that exact same scenario to pan out when you have a lady friend spending the night mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 fun time so it's a problem yeah yeah well um, albino super yeah. zebra is that a gummy yes one? with a jag in in it um, albino super your... zebra jag huh looks How can edible. You tell? does it does it sleep upside down possibly <laughs> i guess around it looks like the met. color of silly putty that's beautiful so this would be the third one that's been produced. So my question to you guys, do you think that um, it's just a matter of, um, you know, just keep pushing away and finally hitting those odds or, yeah. you know? Yeah, I do. I think, uh, I think anything with albinos is a, an uphill battle and, and the odds tend to screw you a little bit. I think anything with super zebra is an uphill battle and you tend to get really gnarly results and some, some weird issues, whether that's from inbreeding or just because it's a severely broken gene and that's what it does. I don't know. And I think the combination of those two things is why it's been elusive, but how many people do you see actually going for it? Especially now. Not many. Yeah. So I think part of it has to do with the fact that not that many people are gunning for it. I mean, Todd's been gunning for it. Was it KD Selective Creations been gunning for it? He, He's the he, one. Yeah. He produced one that was or his, two. Yeah. That was it. He got another. Okay, that was good his, for him. Yeah. yeah, I knew he had done it a couple of years ago, and then uh, I don't think it had Jag then. And then everyone's like, "Well, let me see the tail." And the tail was like, Prank. "Yep, Super Zebra." So, um, yeah. I don't know. I just think people get kicked in the nuts with zebra to zebra odds in general. And then you throw albino on there and it's like a double dose of testicular tantrums, just like getting boom, kicking the nuts by breeding genetics. Testicular tantrums. All right. I like <laughs> Very good. Yeah. I think if there were more people going for it, we would see more of them. I think it's beautiful. I want to see what it looks like after it's like two years old. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so another uh, thing that uh, I thought would be cool, right? Um, you know, how we usually like look at a locality or whatever, but I thought that it would be interesting to look at wild carpets and what they are eating or what they have Ooh. ate. Yes. So uh, I got a couple of pictures of some, some things. So this is what I say all the time, like carpets huh. and big meals. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, my God. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, Carpet ate my dingo. Uh yeah, kinda. <laughs> Dude, that's like if Owen if Owen let um his what's his big ass coastal that the monstrous one loose in your house and it ate Roxy. Yeah, pretty much. Sophie, you mean the one he had? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god. Do we know what's in god. there or no? I want to say it's either some kind of like uh, marsupial or a cat, a wallaby or a cat or a freaking <sighs> koala or something. Holy shit! Yeah. Here's a, even a, he, here's even a stranger one yet. Right? We have that was huge. this one to me just was like I I couldn't for the life of me <laughs> understand this one, but right. I think yeah. <laughs> I think it just goes to the whole idea that we know so little about 
snakes. Good lord. Oh, eggs. A carpet python eating, eating eggs. Eggs, yeah, yeah. Those are chicken eggs too, huh? Yeah. So my first question would be, did it eat the chicken? And then it just sort of took advantage of the opportunity. It looks like it ate the chicken. Right? Right up in like this area. Here. Yeah, it looks like it ate the chicken. It's just going because yeah, everything yeah. smells like chicken now. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But like that's I awesome. thought that was also a very pretty, pretty snake. Look at that stripe kind of. All the wild coastals over there have amazing stripes. I'm super jealous. <laughs> they keep well, finding like, oh, this looks like a hypo. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I right, just let it go back in this tree. Son of a bitch. <laughs> what are you doing? Send it to me. <laughs> this one yes. is eating a wallaby. But again, that go. big meal. Oh, my God. Hmm. Wild. Yeah, right? man. And then just keep in mind all this stuff that Loafman talked about on the snake digestion episode when you look at that. Like, yeah. Holy how, shit. How much is we the biochemistry going to change to knock that thing out? Yeah. So that's unbelievable. Yeah. That snake is, that's not a little carpet either. I mean, yeah. that, no, that carpet's three inches in diameter. I mean, that thing's eaten. If it were in our one of our collections, we'd be tossing at large rats, no problem. Right. And this thing's going after something that's like yeah. 10 inches in diameter, probably weighs, I don't know, five pounds, 10 pounds, something ridiculous. It really makes you think. So we sort of had a interesting conversation kind of at when we were herping in Texas, right? You know, and I'm always picking Rob and Justin's brain about this. You know, like we talk about seasonal feeding, right? We talk about, um, you know, offering prey at a specific time of year. And Rob does it even a little more detailed to where, um, and I hope I don't screw this up for him, but um, he, he, you know, his thought is, is that, you know, what are those snakes eating in the wild? Are they eating like, I, you know, again, they could be eating big prey like this, but more than likely they're probably eating smaller prey more often, meaning that, you know, they're taking advantage of that seasonality of let, let's just say rodents or whatever it would be. And they're taking advantage of that seasonality and they're sort of just like, you know, gorging, if you will. And um, I haven't read the paper yet, but apparently there's a paper and I think the number was 20 percent um, of the of the will not get that. I'm going to screw this up, so I don't want to say it. But there's something about the idea that, you know, a certain weight of the prey will not really kick in the metabolism of the animal. Hmm. Have you guys heard anything like that or you have any? Wait, so you're saying if a prey item is a certain below a certain threshold, if it's too small, is that what you're saying? It won't. If it's if it's too small, it's not necessarily. You know how like when when snakes have their system kind of shut down or whatever. Mm -hmm. So if the the prey is a certain size and it's smaller, it's not going to kick that in. There's mm -hmm. going to stay at that. You know, it's not going to kickstart their mentality. They're going to stay at that metabolic saying. rate. I see what you're yes. saying. So uh, so is the question that if you're feeding them small stuff during those low times, you're not you're not throwing off a cycle or 
There's a coronavirus oh, joke in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's halfway down the snake's throat. Hey! Look at that hand, though, man. Yeah, that's creepy. <laughs> bats are yeah. cool. Bats are really cool, but they're also creepy. They're super important. Pest but, oh, I love them, yeah. but look at that hand. It's like yeah. a, it's like a, the eye eyes. It's my strong hand. hand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, but, the one that digs for that little worm in the... With uh, yeah, with the finger. Yeah, finger. the native people thought if you saw one, you would die within 24 hours. <laughs> oh, shit. They still um, think that. The eye eye. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, it, I, I wonder. I I have no idea, Eric. Um, I want to ask Zach. <laughs> yeah, it's a good Zach question, you know, for yeah. sure. Um, I'm sure but, his answer would be the 2,500 species. Which one are we talking about? Thing, you know. So well, like, I, but like, I, if, I was, if if those animals are producing offspring seasonally, right? Like rodents, bats, birds. There's like a season where they're producing. So does Rob feed more frequent, smaller meals in the spring and then change for the rest of the year? Yeah. Yeah, he does it to where he's sort of um, – again, I can never nail this down from him because I, I constantly ask him this question, and it's kind of like this – like he, he's, he tells me, but I, I for some reason it hasn't clicked in my head, right? And that's why I'm constantly asking him, and he's probably looking at me like, why does he keep asking me the same question? <laughs> but my – my thought was is that he's sort of like, uh, you know, so like if he's going to cycle feed, he might feed smaller meals, right? And he's thinking like long-term health of the animal and the metabolism and all this stuff rather than say, okay, so like my approach currently is like right now I'm feeding, say, you know, for my females, I'm feeding something like a medium rat, right? So I don't go much bigger than a medium rat. I'm feeding a medium rat, medium rat, medium rat, maybe maybe twice a month, maybe maybe once a week, just really kind of like no set schedule or whatever. Whereas I think what Rob is doing is he might feed it a large mouse, but he might feed it every three days, like three days, feed it, three days, feed it, three days, feed it, three days, feed it, and then stop for a little bit. Three days, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. more of a cycle like that, which mm -hmm. is probably... I would, you know, and again, this is where I guess guys like this is why I always ask the question of guys like Scott and the guys down in Australia and the girls down in Australia that are out there in the field with carpets. Yeah, it seems like every time I see a picture of them, they're eating some gargantuan meal, more like an African rock style type of feeding, right? You know, it's like I'm going to eat is a that gazelle because they're eating something so big that it takes them that long for a human to stumble across and take a photo. Whereas ah. if they're eating a mouse, it's gone in a second. You don't see that. Could be. Yeah, that is possible. very and it doesn't one. leave a lump and all you see is a snake cruising and you don't know <laughs> yeah. you know what's interesting is i i've never really thought about it at, at that level but i guess thinking about how i look at a full calendar year with my animals um i sort of do that incidentally without necessarily realizing it but i do it for a different reason um, okay when i and, and I'll probably change it now that we're talking this a little bit um, when I'm bringing animals out of winter. So baby rack adults, juveniles, subadults, whatever they haven't eaten in like two and a half months um, or three months or whatever it is. When I, when I bring them back around into it and the temps start coming up and I'm starting to see more, more active behavior out of them that, you know, suggests to me that they might be ready to start eating again. 
I actually ease everybody back into the act of eating with smaller meals a little bit more frequently for right. the first, like, I don't know, I'd say like March through April, like kind of everybody that's starting to pick back up, they're getting smaller meals to ease them back into it. And I'll probably I guess I kind of do the same. Yeah. Yeah. So for like my big breeder females, what I'll do is I'll start their first meal back up with like a small rat. And then a week later do like a medium rat. And then like two weeks later, do a large rat and then I ease back into whatever sort of very spread out time period it is. And actually right now, because it's so hot, I'm not feeding my adults right now. I, um, I, to me, the insane summer heat stops a lot of the fecundity and rodents. They don't like that heat. They hide more. They're probably harder to get harder to find retreating more. The snakes probably are too. So they're probably also not out as active more at least during the day and at night those those prey items might be a little better hunkered down and whatnot so for me like i kind of ease things back up into the spring with a little more frequent smaller meals get back into the swing things drop back off for the summer and then pick back up with more pace and and larger meals much more frequently especially for the adults getting ready to breed usually around july august yeah so it's yeah it's kind of does i kind of follow the same thing effect. yeah 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 because um, rodents and birds do have a cycle, but rodents will produce throughout the year. There's just certain spikes in the year where they're more prolific. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, you know, again, I, I you know, I, I, I don't think that it necessarily would affect, you know, carpets one way or the other. I think they're just opportunistic and they're going to take what they can get, you know, type of deal. But I wonder if, you know, maybe it helps with, uh, you know, fat storage or, you know, which ultimately leads to the longevity of the snake, that kind of thing, where it's a more naturalistic uh, type of cycle. But I'm with you, man. Like, Doran, you know, the more and more you think about it and you start to look at, you know, what prey species would be in the area of what it can be. any. it doesn't have to be carpets. It could be anything that you work with, you know, and, and sort of understanding that cycle would probably give you an understanding of, you know, how you should approach feeding that animal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, and I think when you do that, you get an animal that's just, they're more instinctually driven, more keen on doing what they're, biologically programmed to do and built to do and you you get a much more natural behaving animal one that's willing to eat kind of relentlessly because its instincts say that it's probably not guaranteed a meal for a long time and i wonder i just a thought right here's a thought like i think that you would probably be able to if you could figure that out and you could figure out the cycle just by watching the snake, you could tell when it's ready to breed, right? Because if they're if you're pounding them with food at this time and then all of a sudden they stop feeding, to me, that would be like a huge flag to say, okay, something's changed. What has changed? Let's let's try to figure this out, what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, being that student of the serpent type of thing and, and paying attention to your animals. I think you wouldn't necessarily need uh, maybe you wouldn't need, you know, the drops and stuff like that or whatever, you know, maybe it would, maybe with Darwin's, right. I think of, of Darwin's where maybe that's the trick to those species that are in those, you know, super hot place. You know what I mean? Cause on the East coast, I think it's, 
the temperatures do get hot, but I don't think they get as hot as like, you know, say, you know, the Darwins. And maybe that's why Darwins are trickier to breed for people. Maybe that's, that's, it's more of that, you know, that pound them with food to sort of what you're saying type of thing. And then sort of paying attention and not necessarily dependent on like a cool down as more as maybe it's pressure fronts or something. So like, I think sometimes with breeding pythons or just breeding anything, like people sort of, I think we'll, we'll we'll talk about pythons in, in particular, right? Because if you, if you're thinking about breeding pythons, we sort of like try to put everything into that cookie cutter, drop the temperatures at, at October and, you know, you follow the, the holiday cycle, you know, Thanksgiving, just that, you know, it's emptied out, you know, that, that whole thing, Christmas, you put them together um, and you're getting eggs, you know, I don't know, February, March, maybe April, something like that. Um, where <clears throat> maybe with the Darwins, it's, it's a little bit outside of, of that. And I think maybe with those Indonesian species that are trickier to breed and it might, might kind of fall into that type of thing. I, I don't yeah. know. I think my, my lack of success with Darwins over the last couple of seasons has been as a result of me maturing and growing as a keeper and changing the way I think in the early years, I was just focused on, Oh, she gets to a certain size. She'll breed. And, yeah. Got her huge in the first three years. I got her to adult situs at three. Um, which don't don't do that if you're listening to that. Don't don't push an adult or a, any carpet to adult size by three years old. That's that's not good. Um, she won't breed for shit. Like, yeah. She doesn't care. She has no interest. She doesn't. Li- she literally does nothing. 24 seven. She wants nothing to do with anything. She's just constant veg, digest, sit, chill, do nothing unless there's food. So guess who's not eating all summer? She's not. Yeah. Yeah. She's plenty big. The last two years I've cycle fed her, let her experience photo period and everything. Nothing, 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 nothing. I think she's just a big fat slob. I think, I think I've, pushed her too hard and now I'm going to abuse the living hell out of her to the point where she's going to lose a lot of weight. And then in the winter, right before it, I'm going to give her a few big meals, like two, maybe three. And that's it. Cause she's eaten enough. She's not, I, I think I, I potentially have crossed the line where I, I can't come back, Yeah, but we'll never know. I mean, you can't say for sure with biology and, and sure. And yeah. organisms like that. But I don't think, uh, I don't think, her lack of breeding is her fault or I don't think it's the male's fault. I think it's me. Um, right. The male's actually a year older. He's tiny though, but um, he right. breeds readily now. It's just nothing comes of it. And I think it's all because I've overdone it in the earlier years. And now it's going to take some years of conditioning her back off of that to, to get into a normal rhythm if right. it's possible. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I have done that. Where I mean, she's as big as some of my jungles, dude. She's seven foot. Really? Wow. She's seven foot albino Darwin. She's huge. She's a fat ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not not how they should be. When I see photos of Paul Harris's animals on, on eggs or Nick's animals on eggs, like 10 egg clutch, 12 egg clutch. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Those animals are half the size of my girl. If she were to drop eggs, it's 25. For sure. Well, I think I think Owen had that with olives, right? He was trying to breed olives for years, and I think he what he did is that he got that male, 
and female, too big, too quick, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think it was at the time where he was more, he was, he was sort of transitioning from his old style of feeding to his, his, his new approach to feeding. And, um, you know, I I remember telling him, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Your rat bill must be so expensive, man. Like, how do you afford this? Yeah. Like you're just pounding your animals every week with food, but you know, not for nothing that's how you kind of did it back then yeah. you know it's 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 how it was you know it's yeah. just like you got to feed the breed you know that was the whole uh the mantra you know? yeah it's funny i look at some of the feeding cards for some of my like 10 11 year old carpets here and i look at like their very first card and how many meals they had in a year and i'm like oh, yeah. oh shit <laughs> you had 12 medium rats in six months yeah <laughs> And then I look at them now and I'm like, okay, we're, we're in the middle of June. How many meals have you had? You've had five meals. Good. (laughs) So like like, one of the things that uh, I've sort of changed with feeding is, is that I've sort of moved over to a lot more birds, mm -hmm. um, with my carpets. Um, yeah, I just did a round of quail feeding last night. (laughs) Yeah. Did you? Yeah. We just Um, got a new supplier. That's a falconer who in the area who's now supplying us with chicks uh hot by the hundred uh big quail little quail and everything i'm like yeah i might start yeah. doing this now oh yeah yeah i got um i got some uh some guinea pigs i got uh and birds and some rats you know so there you go these are some nice quail. like week old quail hens that are like a little bit bigger than the babies that I need for my do rolls. But then we've got, you know, a bunch of chicks galore at the shop. And no, it's awesome. Dude, I, I need to start doing this. Cause here's the thing. Like, think about this for somebody like us, we've got, we've got newborn babies to two year olds, to adults, to, you know, various species. The, the falconer, he uh, spent my entire lunch talking to me. So, Damn right, I remembered everything he said. <laughs> I was hungry, um, but it was it was spot on. So he was kind of talking to me the economics of chicks. Like, let's just push aside the fact that varied diet is important. It's the, the he, one of the things. Sure. Is like, what's the best thing for an animal that's better than giving him the best prey item? And his answer was a varied diet that includes that prey item. And I was like, okay, okay, that makes sense. Very diet. So I get your point. And then he starts explaining for, let's say a chick at a, a frozen thawed chick costs as much as a, a, an adult mouse, a, a rat pup, a weaned rat, whatever, right? You get your weaned rat. That's one meal for whatever animal, right? You get a chick frozen, take the legs off. Those are meals for small baby pythons each take the head off that's a small meal for maybe a yearling you take the body and the stump that's maybe a year and a half you've just taken a, a rodent or a bird that costs you know a buck 50 buck 99 whatever it is and broken it into four meals now each of those meals costs you 50 cents or whatever it is and you've just fed four snakes for the same cost that it would take you to feed one snake one rodent so Aside from the health benefits that it seems to create by instituting variety, you can also save a lot of money instituting some of these bird prey items in there. Granted, yeah. 
I'm not going to sit there and rip heads and legs off of every single chick and be like, here's one for you. And here's <laughs> one for you. And yeah. No, I'm, share. I'm, I'm wham, bam, steal the van. You know what I mean? But at sure, the same yeah. time, if the cheaper, the cheaper, the economics is there. But I think we all know a lot of Australasian and Indonesian and Australian pythons and animals really love bird prey. It's where, I mean, there's a lot of bird of paradise out there. There's a lot of crazy stuff. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's that whole thing too in with what I'm doing, you know, brettles feast on those nesting parrots or whatever mm-hmm. during that certain time of the year. So mm-hmm. yeah, they, yeah. they love the birds and well, they've know, got, they've got native parrots. They've got invasive chickens that people keep. They've got cockatoos. They've got uh, bush turkeys. There's bush turkeys. Dude, birds are yeah. all over the place there. And if you think about how prolific birds can be like, it makes sense. It Absolutely. makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything said about, you know, not trying to pump stuff up and, and the mm-hmm. cycle feeding. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I my hypo het stonewash female, I was talking to Riley about this last week. She's not going to be ready to breed by four. You know, like I, she's like eight, 700, 800 grams right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll be lucky if I get her at five years. And I'm okay with that because she'll be better off for it you know yeah i think if you i think if you don't put any pressure on yourself or her to breed before like eight years old the first time you do breed her you're gonna hit it out of the freaking park my friend i mean i'm i'm in no hurry and and i want her to be around for a long time producing beautiful that's the other thing (laughs) who was who eric maybe you saw somebody post about it somebody posted something I, it might have been in the Morelia Python radio community forum or a jungle forum or something, but somebody was talking about the longevity of their snakes and obesity. And somebody made a comment about how like people think their snake died of old age at 10 to 12, but that's just not the case. I mean, I can't tell you how many ball pythons I've worked with that are 40 years old, or I've worked with a 26 year old Sanzinia that had to be euthanized because he developed cancer, cataracts, glaucoma, like old age type things. I'm, there's a Puerto Rican boa at the Sacramento zoo that is a day older than me and still alive <laughs> and well, you know what I mean? Like wow. these snakes live yeah. a lot longer than we realize. And I think some people already know that, but I think even that it, it goes beyond what even the most woke snake digestive people even realize. Cause we just don't know. I think carpet pythons are probably one of those species that if you did it right and did it natural and let them go, the right circumstances you can have a 35 year old python no doubt oh yeah i wouldn't be surprised yeah, no. i've got a i'm looking at a 10 year old female who looks as good as she was when she was three you know what i mean like mm-hmm. to me that animal should never pass before 20 like at all anything beyond that like you know genetics extenuating circumstances all these other things but yeah. still like yeah these animals are efficient as hell. And the fact that we've found a way to like shorten their lifespan just through feeding too much. I mean, it's really not all that surprising. We do the same thing to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. You know, um, I think, um, I think one of the things that I have that we, we did kind of talk about this on the trip too. And this is sort of the, the one thing that I often question and I don't think that there's really any data on it in the wild, but you know, baby pythons or baby carpets and yeah. what they're doing or whatnot. But I think I think Rob made a good point to me when we were chatting about it. He's like, you know, when it, when a baby python is 
sort of say from from birth to, from hatching to a year right all of those calories are being put into growth right so it's not like they're going to store fat or anything it's going to be put all into growth so like feeding them a little uh, more frequently is not necessarily going to hurt them in that first year of life mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um that being said i think i would still cycle feed them is going to be my approach right only because i think with breeding i think in nature they're still going to be exposed to those cycles of whatever that prey animal is um so i think I think ultimately it probably is is maybe good for them, but I think I might be a little more intense with say um, a, 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 something in that year range um, as far as frequency of doing it. Right. So maybe maybe it's every couple of days as opposed to once a week or whatever, you know, and then sort of back it off and then pick it up again and back it off and pick it up again to where it's more of a, you know, uh, you know, more of a natural type of thing. But I think once you hit that year mark, I think people still keep pounding and that's where you run into trouble because then they'll, they'll, they'll start to store that fat and you get those fat snakes with the tiny heads and shit and all, all that kind of stuff. Oh my God. I saw the fattest, most obese anteresia at the show today. <laughs> Holy really? shit. Oh man. The thing had a peanut head. It was like a two year old male children's python its head was as it should be but the thing was like hmm. fatter than the girthiest spot in my gravid female when i produced him a couple years ago like i can hold a gravid female in her clutch in my hands this male hmm. was oh freaking beast this thing looked like wow. it'd been fed retired breeder mice or rat pups or something i never wow. fed my my anteresia anything bigger than a small mouse and produce perfectly and they're super healthy and all this stuff and and i saw that thing and i was like what is that and it's <laughs> busting at the seams fat sausage and it was like Ugh. yeah and it like, like it if you picked it up like it would just explode it was disgusting when you see something oh, that's that's at that point too like you gotta remember snakes can't create subcutaneous fat there's no fat layer behind the skin all of that is around the organ tissue yeah so i loved having that argument with people that were like my snake's not fat it's just 10 feet long and i'm like i can see <laughs> that it's got ribs out there and you think that it's muscular and shit what you don't see is the fat that's under the ribs yeah no you the fat doesn't go that. on the outside of the ribs because no 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 no, no. thermoregulate <laughs> yeah yeah i've i've literally right. had discussions with people that are like i feed my carpet python a rabbit every week it's not fat it's just 10 feet long <laughs> I'm like so where did all three of those chins come yeah. from and those double back rolls <laughs> down the when, whole body when it yeah. dies why, why does it, it look open. like a why does it look like an obese retic excuse me cut it no. open and yeah. find the little butter sacks in there. Yeah, some guy came yeah. into the shop the other day to tell me his buddy has a 13-foot python. I was like, oh, let me know when it dies. <laughs> Love to I skin know. it and next like, month. I laugh. Obviously, it's sad. but It's sad because the animal suffers. And then these dudes yeah. go and like think they're flexing. Like, oh, look at me. I've got a 13-foot animal. I killed it at four, by the way. But yeah. Uh, yeah. just letting you know, uh, mine's bigger. It's like, oh, real cool, buddy. <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah you can't think of fat the same way no snakes, uh, what is it luke luke netheim's video of that that snake the 
maybe it wasn't Luke. Maybe it was Coops. No, reptiles. it was um, Matt Somerville. So we're talking about the uh, Ingrams. Uh, yeah, the the that yeah. lived in the uh, what is it? He set up that black sand environment, the black, the black cracked soil and oh, stuff. Yeah. Beautiful. And the snake ate six times a year and was obese. Yeah. 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 I mean, a, a, every species is different. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say like, you can compare that to every snake and whatever, but like, right. let's be real. We anthropomorphize the shit out of snakes. We are a, a soft fleshy uh, being that has a, to, a propensity towards obesity and overindulgence that eats three times a day. And then all of a sudden we start keeping an ectothermic animal that sometimes eats three times a year. And, and we think we have to treat it like we do. It's just terrible. One of the other, I think, right. This is a great point that as me and Rob and Justin, were having this conversation. Um, you know, obviously we're in, in the, in the desert and the heat, right. So water, a uh, water, sorry uh, the, uh... <laughs> i'm sorry when you say water like when you do it like that i ah, notice it yeah. more than you just say water i don't yeah. even acknowledge it <laughs> it's weird it's yeah it's weird it. uh, um <laughs> so uh it just it, as of late in my life it kind of annoys me when i say water <laughs> and i'm just like <laughs> it's I, Owen I, I notice it, it much when head. i travel and I say, oh, can I get some water? Especially when, like, if you're eating at a restaurant, everybody's like, can I have some water? You know, and <laughs> it's like, dude, that just sounds weird, man. It just sounds weird. <laughs> you know, but um, anyway, uh, probably the, the, the more important thing. So, like, you can live, we can live, snakes can live long time without eating. Or, you know, snakes yeah. obviously can live longer than we can without eating. But, mm -hmm. you know, the one thing you cannot live without is water. <laughs> right you can't you can't live without it and you need it so probably the most important thing you can do uh, is keeping your snakes hydrated you know and making sure that they have you know water and 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 that you know yeah <laughs> i know that sounds weird man <laughs> yeah you're forcing it just say water well like we accept you for who you are and say wallet it. yes thunder mifflin wallet yeah. wallet Wallet. I say that right. It's just water. You know what I think I, it comes from? Water ice, right? We have water ice. So that it's like, was what is that weird... a word? Okay, Lucas, water hold ice, on a yeah. sec. Hold on a sec, Lucas. I experienced this firsthand when I went out there. It was a super hot, humid day. We we're like killing time in between barbecuing or something like that. Eric's like, let's go get some water ice. I'm like, come again. Yeah, let's go get some water. So I was like, uh, sure, yeah, yeah. So we roll in the car, go out to this spot, and like Lucas, you and I, we would be like, oh, it's like an old school AMPM, you know, uh -huh. drive up outside, you know, no inside little shack. They just make stuff in the back, you know, the high school kids in the area work it all the time, and you know, it's great stuff, um, especially after you know a, a warm, humid day and the evening sun's gone down. It's perfect, you know. Like, okay, what yeah. else do you want to do at eight thirty at night? Nothing. You want to go get a water ice, go sit, go do the thing. It's, it's part of that culture. There, it's beautiful, right? So it's a drink. It is. It's like mm, shaved kinda. ice, but it's like a different texture. It doesn't oh. melt as fast. There's a little bit more liquid. It's got the flavors and everything, but it's it's not like anything they have here in California. But no, it's 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 a thing there. It's a thing there. So when Eric was like, "Let's go with some water ice," I was like. You're going to have to slow that word down. For me. <laughs> I need to dissect yeah. this word. <laughs> Got it. Got but it was, it was amazing. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It's kind of like, uh, it's like a thicker, like shaved ice, kind of like you can, you can, 
feel the crystals of the ice, right? Okay. This is like, More like think of it snow. like no. Think of it like coffee and espresso, right? Mm. So like espresso is that super fine green of coffee, right? Yes. Kind of like that, right? So that sounds it, delicious. You know, That's yeah. perfect. This time of year, mm. dude. All you gotta do is you wake oh, up so in the morning. You go sit by the pool. You take the dog out. Go check on your snakes. Oh, it's lunchtime. I'll go get a Philly cheesesteak. Oh, I go sleep outside by the pool for a few hours. Ah, oh, it's dinner time. Yeah. Ah, let's go get a go get a barbecue going, and then ah, it's hot. Let's go get some water ice, and then water ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. Time. I miss. So, I miss. Let's that. go down to the Wawa and then so, get a water ice. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The Wawa. So like, Lucas, you've never had a real Philly cheesesteak. I'm taking oh, well, it. No, one time, the eighth grade field trip to like the East Coast, you go all these places, you see the Liberty Bell, you go to DC. I had a Philly okay. cheesesteak in Philly. But, but where which was it one? from? Yeah. Oh, I have no idea, man. Eighth grade. Okay. You probably, yeah, see, that's well, the thing. Eighth grade for you was like, what, five years ago? Come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> You're still a young guy. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm oh. No, no, I know. I know you don't. It was probably more like 10 years ago. So oh, okay. you weren't far off. Yeah. No. Eighth grade that. for me was 1989. <laughs> the year I was born. 11 or 12 that, years ago. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. it had to be a long time ago because I haven't eaten beef since freshman year of high school. So that was one of my oh, last That's right. You cows. don't eat beef. <laughs> well, can you eat beef? chicken? Oh, yeah. I eat everything else. Okay. So I will introduce you to the chicken cheesesteak. Okay. Uh, Philly chicken cheesesteak. I had just so you know, I had four Philly cheesesteaks and a Philly cheesesteak pizza in one weekend while I was out there. That sounds yeah. delicious. When in Absolutely. Rome, I'll bring my yeah, little man. lactose intolerant people pills. Oh yeah, yeah I man. gotta have those too. Yeah. The uh, the one the one thing that um, Rob is just he is just awesome at this when we go on a trip, right? He's really good at finding these little like places to eat in the middle of nowhere like yeah. you know like the either it's a food truck one day we had this double bacon double cheddar burger which was like oh dude i mean it was just like yeah. after herping all night not eating like a, a you know oh it was delicious then we had that like took good. us this one foot it was like a foot long hot dog spot where they had like all the you know you know how food trucks like spice things up and have like uh, their yeah, own yeah. creations of stuff you know was nice. that right next to this like local coffee shop oh dude it was i'm like what the hell and then when we were coming back going towards san antonio to the airport we stopped at this mexican restaurant and i had like they were tacos but it was like fresh made tortillas tortillas yeah and you know that ham they or like that pork they put on a spit that spins around and just cooks mm -hmm. and cooks and they just like kind of shave it all. Yeah, like that. They cut it up, put it on there, a little cilantro. Oh, dude, it was the oh man. You had you had your first taste of real street tacos. Yes, yes. <laughs> they don't have them out here. <laughs> we yeah. have Taco well, Bell. Let me tell oh, you, man. No, 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 no that's no, horrible. No, no. no, if you ever come out to California, holy shit, dude. Yeah, like the imagine. further south you go, the better. I will, yes, I will 100%. concede that Northern California's Mexican food can't can't touch Southern California's, and and yep. San Diego might arguably have you know the best culture for it. But every there's arguably every city in California has a local 
Taqueria, El Gruyense, something like that. Just the, right. some local family somewhere, right? So this morning, for example, I was like, dude, you know what? There's a show today. I got time. I need to eat because chances are I'm not going to have lunch there. I'm getting me a breakfast burrito. Forget Chipotle. Forget Taco Bell. Forget all that fast food nonsense. I got yes. a Los Immortales down the street that's probably been exactly the same slash whatever color of paint they throw in the building every five years for the last like 30 years. Dude, right. the same recipes, like the same faded by the sun photographs of the meals <laughs> that Abuelita made like 40 years ago for the yes. first Polaroid they took for it. Yes. And the shits in styrofoam that they make in Mexico. You know what I mean? It's like as legit yes. as it freaking gets. And yes. you just and you're just like, I don't care that I just put 2000 calories. In <laughs> Doesn't that matter. It was worth it. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Well, dude. it's amazing. That's like it's like one of my favorite parts of the Herp trip. Right. You go on mm -hmm. the Herp trip. You go to these different places that you never been before. You're exposed yep. to different, uh, you know, food and, and mm -hmm. different nationalities and how mm -hmm. they, you know, have food. And, and oh, man, that's one of my oh, favorite yeah. things of traveling. Yeah. You know? Go to Just Miami. Like <laughs> yeah. Go to yeah. Miami, get yourself some some Cuban coffee and uh and some amazing yeah. Cuban food. Oh, they have this place called Stripes in Texas. And let me tell you, man, I tried two times for the coffee. Like, you know me and my coffee. I have to have coffee. I'm like, you know, uh, I need it to function. I cannot like just wake up and be like, bro, let's go. You know, yeah. I, I need like I need some Same. something. Um me so too. we go to this place, the Stripes. It's kind of like a gas station, uh, you know, fat type of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I was like, oh, yeah, let me try it. Oh, the coffee was so bad. So bad. <laughs> and especially now that, like, I've upped my game on coffee. You got the yeah. French press, got an espresso maker, got the, you know, the drip, got the you know, all these different kinds of coffee, iced coffee, this, that, all this stuff. And um, uh, the flavor, like, when you actually make coffee right, is like uh, it's mm -hmm. oh, dude what a difference it makes and then oh, yeah. when you're getting whole beans you grind them right there on the spot then you cook yes. them you know like the one i belong to this coffee club they roast it right before they mail it so it's the freshest it can be you know yep. um yep. and what a difference in the in the taste Huge man difference. and then yeah and then i go to this gas station and this is shit i'm like what is this shit and i'm like all right let me power through it yeah. So then I started drinking these Starbucks, uh, you know, whatever they are, those little espresso yeah, things. Little but I don't like the things. sugar part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't like the, the sugar part They're of it. They're too I sweet. Like the black. Yeah. So I had a hard time with that. And then I switched over, back over. I tried the coffee again. And I'm just like, how can people drink this? For the love yeah. of God, <laughs> this is the worst thing ever. But when yeah. you go to these like little mom and pop, places and the coffee is like you know what I mean? it's like part of the whole thing yeah. and you, oh, dude. like they've got the same brown speckled mugs that their grandparents bought in the <laughs> 50s when the restaurant was lined with shag oh, carpet and they haven't changed yeah. the dishware at all that's when you know oh, the coffee is good <laughs> oh, yes. they still have that brown pot it's like brown glass and they come out and it's like 30 40 years old <laughs> yeah coffee's the stuff, best man. Yeah, I can't stand when people are like, oh, McDonald's coffee is actually not bad. I'm like, you mean it's not shit because shit is shit. What you're drinking yeah. isn't actually fecal matter, so it can't be called shit, but it's close. That's right. 
Yeah. No, I guess I'm you. a bit of a coffee snob now. I don't Good know. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. Life is yeah, too man. short to drink shit coffee. I know. It's like the, the lifeblood of the world, you know? I mean, and you know what? what? The There's a time and a place for decaf. It's called never and nowhere. <laughs> yeah, especially on a rapid trip, man. Yeah. Never and you nowhere. need all the caffeine you can get. You need that 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 boost, that jolt, you know. Yeah. Uh, whoever whoever so you, invented decaf coffee was the first person to get old. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Wait, I have one more story. Uh we're, we're almost <laughs> at the time, so I might as well tell the story, right? Hell yeah. This carpets and so coffee, go, damn it. And and we kinda we kinda talked about this on the other thing, but I'll I'll tell my version of it. Right. So we go to this uh we in Texas everything seems to close at like eight o'clock at night, right? It's like everything shuts down except for this one rest this one diner that we found at three so it's three o'clock in the morning. We haven't eaten dinner, you know, it's like we're starving. We just hiked, we basically hiked eight miles a day, right? I think is what it came out to. So we're hiking That's eight miles a gnarly. day. In that heat, man, is intense, right? So you want to try to like, you want some calories, you know, to get in your system and stuff, right? Well, I could probably use a few sure. days without calories, but that's besides the point. <laughs> um, uh, so we're we're uh, we go to this restaurant, and we eat it, right? And you guys will, I, I'm sure, when you go to Herp shows and stuff, maybe you stayed at a hotel, or even when you stayed at a hotel, like what's the go-to breakfast item at the hotel? The waffle, right? Waffle. With the, the, the stuff in the little cup, you pour it on yeah, the you thing. Just make you it right there. It. Yeah. I'm not this a waffle the guy, but, thing in but the I world. follow. I follow. They trust the kids to be able to make the yeah, waffle. Yeah, it beeps man. at you so you don't burn the hotel down. Yes. So Justin ordered a thing of waffles, three waffles. It took this guy, like he had to make like four sets of the three oh. in order to get him three waffles. Come on, man. <laughs> you probably picked the wrong career if you can't make the waffles. <laughs> like, you can't you know, make the oh, waffles. Oh, he was supposed to do it for, for you? Yes. Was? Oh, yes. that's he's oh, in the kitchen. Man. And like, he you like, can't. he burned it. He didn't flip it. He didn't turn it. You know, whatever the case is. That boy ain't right. The world just needs kept... ditch diggers. <laughs> yeah, Damn. kept hearing beep. Oh, damn it. <laughs> There's <laughs> <laughs> like this stack of. Waffles that didn't make it to on the oh. on the grill. <laughs> Here, kid, here's a broom. Stay outside. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Oh man. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, you know, there's something to be said for if you can't figure it out, maybe aim lower. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, but. I want to go on a herp trip so bad. I mean. Going to the show today was kind of like a herp trip because my friend came and picked me up. We're like, yeah, we're going to a show. Let's look at some snakes. Hey, check out the Apodora. Hey, check out the hogs. Hey, hey. okay, let's go look for some snakes. Ah, we get to the show. We're like, all right, we're out doing right. stuff. And now I'm back home. I'm like, that was really short. I want to go again. Yeah, let's do it again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, herping, man. It's, it's, uh, it's, I found a it's... garter snake this morning. I saw oh, that. Yeah. I saw that. You're out on the job yeah, cool. having a good time. Oh, how hot was it, though? Too hot. They sent us all home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That garter snake, where'd you find it? Uh, it was just about to be in the bucket of an excavator in the middle of a mud field. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I don't know what that dude was thinking. It's probably the same probably the same group of animals who allowed themselves to get caught and wind up at the show up yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Illegally. <laughs> Maybe that gene yeah. pool should be in captivity, not out of the wild. 
Damnophis. Did you see uh, the Eastern Hog that Brian Holt found over in the NPR chat? I think so. Was, was it today? that one that was all orange and black? Well, or he had that all one that was one? like, it was the all black one. All black one. Yeah, I know the Easterns, there's some populations that are, excuse me, very melanistic. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a count. There's an account that I follow on Instagram called like Essex Hognose or something like that. Um, and uh-huh. he's got a YouTube channel and he specializes in some of those Eastern hogs, which is like, gosh, you're glutton for punishment if you're Whew. going for yeah. those things because they, they really like uh they really like frogs and all these things are hard to get and this and that and but there's a lot of melanistic ones so yeah that's badass yeah, that's cool. cool so Did i recently that, found uh, out oh, oh sorry go, yeah, ahead. go ahead no 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 oh i was just gonna say i recently found out as in loafman called me and told me that like almost half the things i thought were colubrids are not they're colubroids Really? <laughs> it's this I'm looking at a chart right now, like dips added, like the falsies and all the dips added stuff is not a colubrid. It's a colubroid. Like is colubrid is, is a subset of colubroid. Anyway, it's this whole thing. Really? And the reason I thought of it is because the tantilla you found is a dips added. It's not a colubrid. It's a colubroid. <laughs> huh. Cool stuff. I could send you guys the chart, but so yeah, colubroid is a more general umbrella, and then colubrid is more specific. It's a branch. subset of colubroid. Yes. I didn't huh. know this until like last week. <laughs> I didn't know that until right now. Yeah. I'll send you guys the chart. Awesome. It's fun stuff. I just wanted to share. <laughs> wow. That's really That's interesting. Cool. So, yeah, you, yeah. Eric, you found a colubroid. Well, Tantilla. technically, Justin found the okay. Tantilla, but yes. <laughs> which it's that, a dip satted, just like false water cobras, which is crazy. Huh. Yeah, I think they were saying that that was rear fanged, but it's so yes, small it that it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that yeah. would be why it's a dip satted, I guess. Yeah, I it's rear fanged. I've studied those. <laughs> I remember when I was getting, um, when I was still at Santa Barbara Zoo, I was working on uh, doing getting a, a program started with the center for snake conservation that since has been disbanded trying to get a, a snake count program going. And I had to put together like a whole thing of all the potential snakes they could find in the area, no matter how unlikely it was. Mm-hmm. And the two animals that came up as venomous were obviously uh, Southern Pacific rattlesnakes. And then the little, uh, those little tiny blackhead things. And I was like, well, that's all included in here because I don't want to get in trouble because yeah. <laughs> I omitted the rear fang little tiny thing that nobody's going to find. But yeah, they're cool of... looking though. Like when I showed one of my coworkers at the biology thing, a picture of a blackhead Python baby for the first time, he was like, Oh, it's kind of like Tantilla planiceps. I was like, what the hell is Tantilla planiceps? And but, now you're obsessed. Yeah. Here's, here's something that I didn't know existed. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the, the name? Coleonics. Help me out. I don't, I don't Texas. I don't know. Geckos. Texas yeah. banded gecko. Okay. So you want some, I can go get you some captive born and bred ones in Roseville right now. Wow. Dude, I'm not kidding. That's, that's a leopard gecko. Yes. <laughs> geckos, etc. Steve Sykes. First table I saw walked in. He has oh, yeah? a bunch of hognose and king snakes and he does a lot of leopard geckos and stuff. 
He had a group of these on the table, little babies, Capricorn and bred ones. And he also had some female, um, uh, the synctus knob tail geckos, but it didn't have any males. If he had a male on the table, I would have grabbed a pair of knobbies. Yeah, I, I would, but yeah, those yes. were on his table. People work with us. Um, They're basically an American <laughs> leopard gecko. Robert, I am so confused, Doid. <laughs> uh, I, I love it. I have to, I have to share this real quick since I talked okay, about okay. it. But I did not share this on the. Yeah, sorry, I didn't need to open that can of worms. That was unnecessary. Way to go, Luca! Oh, oh, <laughs> that was the burger. I'm not a fan of pickles, bacon. but after a day of work, you're not that a would... fan of pickles. Oh, How no. dare you, Riley? <laughs> It's a gift from the gods, and I'm not even religious. So I had my first experience with, and I didn't, I put this up real quick, and then I thought about it for a second, and I was like, wait, I don't want to be that guy. So I took the picture down, but I'll share it here in the chat. That's the blacktail. That was the nice. first time I like really handled the wild rattlesnake. How was, was it pretty getting that animal <laughs> on the hooks? Um, that one wasn't too bad. The, yeah. the, there was a couple of them that were pretty, uh, pretty crazy. I, but, I hear Aatrox don't play nice on hooks. No, no, <laughs> no, yeah. no. Which is what makes them challenging. Well, one of the things that yeah. makes them challenging. I like, I like the challenge of working with animals that'll just like not play with, with hooks at all. They just, they just don't, they're like, no, I actually, I will keep moving on the hook. Even when you lift <laughs> me up off the ground. Yeah. I'll climb that up to your hands. That's and cool. this, oh man, oh. dude, this is the, the friend of mine. Well, an acquaintance of mine that I went herping with before in PA found this in PA. Gorgeous. That's timber. Yes. Holy is that shit. not bad ass? Yeah. I, I mean, the, shit. They're beautiful animals. I want it. Yeah. I'd keep that. I would if just I love was to gonna see do it. a hot, it'd be a crotalis. Yeah. Man, rattlesnakes are we're very fortunate to have those animals in North America. They're just yeah, they're insane. Oh dude. Yeah. We saw we saw what ten uh ten Aatrox, I think, on the trip. Yeah. Uh and yeah, it just like rejuvenated my fascination. We also there was a there we did we didn't find this, but um, we did know people that found this, and this was one of our species that we were sort of looking for. And I would have loved to have seen it in the wild. And there's probably some. I think this person we would have found this snake, but uh, the person kind of beat us to it. Banded rock look at that. Got Dude. yourself a clobber eye. Yeah, man. I like Very banded cool. things. Those things yeah. are so nice. Oh, they're like the uh, the alterna of uh, rattlesnakes out there because depending on the little regions you'll find them in, you'll get some with clean banding, some with the little patches yeah. in between, some that are more of a green tint. Like as soon as you start getting further west, you start getting into the Mojave Greens territory, so you get some similar looks. Oh, yeah, man. And then those horny, horny toad lizards or whatever they're called. Oh, we're catching those left thing. and right when you first got <laughs> yeah, out there. They were everywhere. Yeah, those, those things so are cool. everywhere. Were they like, fast? Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. All yeah. I kept hearing, like, I got some video, right? And I kept, 
as we're chasing them around, I just hear that Benny Hill music playing. You know, I remember my first time seeing one in the wild. I had to like throw the car in park, run out, and like, where'd it go? Where'd it go? And then it saw something move and grab it. And it was like a little California one. So it was like this big, but like, yeah, those things are stupid fast. Yeah, man. So, but that's awesome. So we're back. Um, yeah, I guess is this maybe this will be our new time. I don't know. We're trying things out. Yeah, we'll then, give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. See, see how it what. goes. Um, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So my days good are, to be back. My days off are Thursdays and Fridays now, so I don't really have uh, a lot of control over that angle of it. So, well, new thing happened for me when I came back from work is now I get two days off a week. I didn't take any kind of pay, whereas I used to have, I used to work five and a half days. I don't have to work that half day anymore. They didn't take any money away. I don't have to work any extra hours during the week. So it's kind of like, you know, nice. Gonna have some more free time. So that's wonderful. I may be able to move that to a Thursday and maybe, you know, I don't know. Well, Whatever. We will keep everyone posted and we'll yeah. roll with it. And Thanks for bearing with us during the transition. Yeah. You can yeah. absolutely send all your disgruntled emails to me, which I will promptly put in the trash. Now forward them to <laughs> Owen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Or the, yes. actually, actually su- uh, put this in the subject matter of each one. Sasquatch told me to. <laughs> each yeah. one. We'll have to. Uh, did you? I don't think Riley saw this picture. But I did oh, was send it the it one to... where somebody photoshopped his face on it? Uh, yeah, did you see that? <laughs> it was freaking gold. Yeah, it's pretty can good. Can you send it to me again so I can save it? I was Here. caching it away as a weapon for later. I want to save yeah, it on not... my phone, too. It was the night he was giving Lucas a hard time. I was yeah. like, uh, you know, it's his <laughs> usual antics of, yeah. uh, you know, you're... He said he, he fired and he fired and Lucas and he yeah. fired me yeah. yesterday. Yeah, he uh, fired you again, didn't he? Don't listen to him. He doesn't have any pull. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody listens to him. <laughs> Love you too, buddy. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh man, I can't oh, find as it. As if All right, he well. listens to us when he's not here. He likes listening to himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True story. <laughs> True story. But um yeah, so uh, I will send it to you so you have some ammunition in case. Please, uh, please. You yeah, I need a shield against Owen. Yes. Yes. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> very, very so, good. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Well, good cool. to be yeah. back with you, gentlemen. And I guess good to have you back. Uh, yeah. 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 It's good Glad to, to have these chats back in full mind. action. Glad you had uh, the trip of a lifetime out in Texas. That's amazing. Yeah, man. Good times. Till next time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, if anybody's listening to this, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, We thank you for spending some time with us and sticking with the the change of schedule on this. If you're you're listening to this, chances are you probably are very well aware of the NPR network and all of its shows. But if you're not, uh, go check out everything that is Morelia Python Radio at uh, MoreliaPythonRadio.com or .net. Both links will get you there. You can get all of the info, media, downloads, all sorts of stuff. You can check out all the back catalog of NPR on Spotify. And there's, gosh, like a dozen shows now that we have going under this. Everything from Herpiculture Network, uh, the Australian Herpiculture Podcast, Reptile Fight Club, Collier Bridge Corner, Humans of Herpiculture, Field Herping Podcast, 
you name it, there's something out there. We've got it. Um, so yeah, don't forget to check all the shows out. Uh, if you want to support, uh, the legacy that Eric and Owen have built over the last decade, there is a Patreon for you to show your support. Um, as little of an increment as you want five bucks ten bucks whatever you want there's private monthly q a streaming videos for the inland tier at 10 bucks a month more to come and uh yeah don't forget to check out the youtube channel that we're on right now subscribe to that if you aren't give this video yes. a like thumbs up go check out all the other videos that we're slowly but surely backlogging on the channel there's a lot of good content and uh if you can't find it hit any of us up and we'll probably be able to direct you towards the specific episode you're looking for as for yeah. me, you can find me pretty much on anything under Riley's Reptiles or on YouTube as Riley Jensen. And that's all I've got for you. Take it away, Lucas. Nice. Well done. Well done. Very smooth. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with me, uh, Centralian Exotics on all of the thingies, www.centralianexotics.com. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, the the greatest podfather, send us away. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so for uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can follow me on Facebook, Eric Burke or EB Moralia, and that's uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. So, EBMoralia.com. Wunderbar. Yeah, cool. Lucas is gonna bounce off the walls. Eric's gonna go and enjoy. <laughs> that's what I do whenever no one's watching. Hanging in his multiple, <laughs> yeah. multiple Australian snake rooms, and I'm gonna go sweat five yes. pounds off walking down the hallway in this yes. heat. Riley, Beautiful. am I going to spontaneously combust tomorrow in Sacramento? Should I yeah. be prepared for that? Yeah, okay. bring a few yeah. wet sponges, put them in bags, leave them in the fridge, yeah. sprinkle them on yourself every once Tie in a while. Tie them onto your armpits and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Stay away I from know. electrical outputs. You know. Well, yeah. I'll go mentally prepare for that, and everybody yeah. have a wonderful We've got 500-gallon pools in various enclosures, I'm sure. <laughs> Some lizard will let you sit in there if you want to. Sure. Yeah. Can't promise Hopefully you'll they come out of there healthy. Yeah, you might yeah. come out with an Hopefully infection. Hopefully they have. <laughs> yeah. There might be snacks in there. So. That's right. Very All right. Good. Well, on that All note, right, thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Thanks for the chat, y'all. And uh, we'll see everyone next week. Bye.